1931, Japan seized Manchuria. The next year, Chinese and Japanese soldiers fought in the streets of Shanghai, particularly in the working-class neighborhood of Zabei. The clash had mixed results. The battle showed that China would fight if pressed, and Japan ultimately backed down from a full-scale war. Yet the Japanese forced the Chinese to remove troops from the area. Instead, the Peace Preservation Corps, a paramilitary group, patrolled Shanghai while the Japanese kept a large military garrison and naval base at Hongku, a neighborhood within the city. In 1935, the Japanese expanded Manchuria by taking Hai Bay. General Nisimo Chiang Kai-shek, commander-in-chief of the National Revolutionary Army and leader of China, refused to go to war over Hai Bay. Chiang felt he needed to improve China's military before he could fight, as well as defeat the communists in the north. The Japanese army was better in every regard, as shown in 1932 when the fighting at Zabei led to 4,000 Chinese losses against roughly 500 for Japan. In addition, Japanese aircraft and warships were more numerous and better integrated with their armed forces. By contrast, the Chinese Navy was small and incapable of taking on their Japanese rivals. The Air Force was also small and relied on second-rate aircraft. Its training followed Italian and American practices. The American pilots of the Central Aviation School of Hangzhou were second to none. The Italian-trained pilots were less capable. All in all, Chang knew the Chinese military was no match for Japan. Although the Chinese had 1,750,000 troops, only 300,000 were well-trained, in particular 80,000 men who had German instruction. These men were loyal to Chang. In addition, Chang had a cadre of German advisors. They were a mixture of Nazis looking for combat experience and officers repulsed by Adolf Hitler. A few were even Jews who were welcomed by China by Hans von Zeich, former head of the German army and an advisor to Chang until 1935. In 1936, Chang was abducted, and it was clear he needed to take a stand against Japan or risk a coup. In July 1937, a Japanese patrol at the Marco Polo Bridge was fired at by Chinese soldiers. One Japanese soldier went missing, and assuming the worst, the Japanese attacked. Later, the missing man turned up once he'd finished his visit to the local brothel. Local officers called the truce, but the Japanese government saw an excuse for war. Matters became worse when the citizens of Tongzhu rebelled against Japan. They used swords to murder Japanese and Korean settlers and Chinese collaborators. Others were publicly tortured, while those who served the Japanese soldiers as prostitutes were raped. In retaliation, the Japanese retook the city, beheaded nearly every Chinese man, and raped the women, some of whom had already been violated by the Chinese. The mutual atrocities inflamed both sides, but especially the Japanese Prince Takamatsu, who wrote in his diary, We're really going to smash China, so that it will be ten years before they can stand up straight again. Japanese Prime Minister Fumimaro Konoe decided to send troops to northern China. He was an Anglophobe, who earlier dabbled in Marxism before embracing fascism. He saw Nazi Germany as a natural ally and even attended a costume party dressed as Hitler. 
He was soft-spoken, amiable, and a good listener. This often fooled others into thinking he was a moderate when he was a thorough going-on ethno-nationalist. While a war was waged in the North, Shanghai remained quiet. It was the country's second most populated city and the economic center of China, dubbed the Paris of the East and the Queen of the Orient. It was cosmopolitan, featuring a large international district and some 70,000 foreign residents, 20,000 of whom were British. Each nation kept a small military garrison. It was also home to the Green Gang, one of the largest criminal organizations in the world who had helped fight the Japanese in 1932. Shanghai very likely had more prostitutes than any other city in the world. Despite its importance, the Japanese did not want to fight at Shanghai. The army wanted to concentrate in the north, and the navy favored a diplomatic solution to the conflict. Tensions were high in Shanghai, where any news of any Chinese victory led to fireworks and celebrations. Businessmen began to pull out their money, and others fled. On August 9th, Lieutenant Isiao Oyama of the Japanese Special Naval Landing Forces arrived at Hongkao Airport. What happened next is still hotly debated, but the result was that Oyama and his driver, as well as an unidentified Chinese man, were dead. The Japanese used the event as a pretext to demand that the Chinese dismantle their defenses around Shanghai and withdraw the Peace Preservation Corps. The Chinese, for their part, hoped a conflict in Shanghai would divert Japanese troops from the fighting in the north. With Japanese certain to fortify Hongku, the Chinese prepared to attack, Chang giving the responsibility to Zhang Zhezong. He was quiet but aggressive and highly nationalistic. He hated the Japanese. However, he was very ill. Last-minute negotiations were held between China and Japan, with representatives from Britain, France, America, and Italy in attendance. With war already raging in the north, the chances for peace were slim. On August 13th, small skirmishes took place in Shanghai, with Japanese warships eventually firing into the city. The Chinese government issued the Proclamation of Self-Defense and War of Resistance. China and Japan were now at war. On August 14th, the Chinese Air Force began bombing Japanese positions. The air attacks had mixed results. While trying to sink the Japanese cruiser Izumo, the Air Force instead hit the civilian area, including the Shanghai International Settlement. 3,000 people were killed in the attacks, some as they went about shopping. The incident became known as Black Saturday or Bloody Saturday. However, Chinese pilots won their dogfights with Japanese air forces, shooting down six planes and losing none. In 1940, despite the death of 3,000 people, the Chinese government declared August 14th to be Air Force Day. Although Chinese pilots did well, the nation had no aircraft factories. As such, losses could not be replaced and repair was difficult. As the battle went on, the Chinese lost control of the skies, and a total of 91 planes, roughly half of China's air force, were destroyed. Nevertheless, Japanese losses were heavy particularly among the Navy's G-3M long bombers. On August 17th, Chang ordered a massive attack, codenamed Operation Iron Fist. The Chinese used German stormtrooper tactics, and they hoped to overrun Japanese garrisons of 2,500 Marines and seize the wharves using the 87th and 88th Divisions, China's finest units. Japanese positions were strong, 
and their concrete bunkers were impervious to Chinese artillery. Zong had the bunkers isolated, but the Japanese used tanks to counterattack. The attacks were called off on August 18th. Chang sent Feng Xiaogong to help Zong. He was known as the Christian General. He apparently baptized his men in mass with a fire hose and then marched them to the tune of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Feng was one of Chang's chief rivals, but he hoped his appointment would create unity among the Chinese forces. The fighting took place near the international settlement, which both sides went out of their way to leave unmolested. In the words of American correspondent Edgar Snow, being in the settlement was like, Verdun had happened on the Seine, in full view of right bank Paris that was neutral, as though at Gettysburg were fought in Harlem, while the rest of Manhattan remained a non-belligerent observer. The international settlement hampered the Chinese, who could have moved men through it to attack the Japanese from the rear, yet it also gave a place for reporters to cover the war, and most did so with a bias in favor of China. Chinese civilians fled as both sides engaged in serial killings, particularly the Japanese who shot anyone they suspected of being a spy. The Chinese, for their part, executed suspected spies and looters, as well as any Japanese who were unfortunate enough to be marooned outside of Hongku when the shooting started. The Chinese even placed the heads of supposed traitors on poles. On August 19th, Konoe announced that the Sino-Japanese conflict could only be resolved through war. The Shanghai Expeditionary Army was formed under the command of General Imanwe Matsui. He was energetic, intelligent, and a poet. He believed Japan should lead a unified Asia. To that end, he founded the Greater Asia Society. An expert on China, and disliked Chang because he thought he was soft on communism. He favored an offensive aimed at taking all of Shanghai and Nanjing, Chang's capital. He instructed his men not to mistreat civilians, particularly foreigners that the Japanese wished to impress. On August 22nd, the Chinese 36th Division attacked Hongku with tanks. However, the tanks outran the infantry and were destroyed. Fighting was fierce, but the Japanese held on. The next day, the Shanghai Expeditionary Army made an amphibious assault some 30 miles northeast from downtown Shanghai. Zong was taken by surprise. When he went to inspect the front, his car broke down, so he marched on foot. A soldier with a bicycle rolled by and snidely said, What's that? Does the commander have to walk now? Zong took his bicycle and made his way north to the landing. Chang denounced Zong's tactics and his pension for press conferences. Chang also thought Feng, by now in full command at Shanghai, was lax in his planning. Chun Ge, one of Chang's favorites, replaced Zong after Chang got into a screaming match with Zong over the telephone. Zong remained in Shanghai for weeks after being removed from all of his responsibilities. Feng was eventually transferred to the Northern Theater, and Chang took on more command responsibilities. Chun Ge favored an all-out battle, and his appointment signaled a shift in Chinese tactics from the offensive to a dogged defense. By August 23rd, the battle had turned against the Chinese. They lacked heavy weapons and air support. In the coastal areas, sandy soil made it difficult to create viable trenches, 
which dissolved in the rain. Also, heavy losses forced the Chinese to use conscripts and raw recruits, who often lacked training and were in poor health. To counter this, the Chinese made night attacks. Japanese naval bombardments and air attacks, though, destroyed the coastal defenses. Japanese aircraft arrived in large numbers and began bombing Chinese positions. Japanese aircraft also forced the Chinese to move at night. After weeks of fighting, Chan Shak-Yu, Wu Song, and Shi Zilin were annihilated with only one survivor. Zai Chu's Hong, the commander of the 79th Division, announced in a telephone call to Lu Zhu Ying, head of the 18th Army, All my soldiers have been sacrificed. There's nobody left. Lu Zhu Ying replied, Aren't you a body? Stay where you are and fight. By now, Japanese losses were high, and they had to bury their dead instead of ceremonially cremating them, which led to a dip in morale. Still, the Japanese had secured a beachhead in control of the north bank of the Yangtze River and forced the Chinese to fall back to the interior. Matsui's landing forced troops away from the Shanghai proper to the suburbs. Fighting in the city continued, but it was more than skirmishes and snipers. Chinese officers joked that it was all quiet on the Western Front, a nod to the popular war novel and film. The Japanese did make a major tank attack that was stopped when a Chinese soldier blew himself up and the tank. The Japanese fed more troops and aircraft into the battle in September, making it hard for the Chinese to make any attacks. The fighting also became more savage. Neither side took prisoners, and in the rivers and streams, headless corpses were a common sight. High-ranking officers on both sides tried to curtail atrocities, but with no success. By now, the Chinese strategy had shifted, from stopping the Japanese to a dogged defense aimed at buying time for the Chinese government to move vital industries to the interior of the country. Alexander von Falkenhausen, Chang's chief German military advisor, stressed the importance of holding the Laodan area. Falkenhausen was a highly decorated World War I veteran with a genuine love for China. He welcomed the conflict by saying, War on a national scale is a necessary experience for China and will unify her. Chang trusted his advice and his optimism. Falkenhausen, for his part, was happy to stay out of Germany because the Nazis had executed his brother during the Night of the Long Knives. Following Falkenhausen's advice, some 300,000 Chinese soldiers held the Laodan area, facing 100,000 Japanese troops. It was hoped that Chinese resistance would bring foreign aid, particularly from America and the Soviet Union. Most great powers thought China had no chance to win in the war, although the Soviets did support Chang and eventually supplied the Chinese with weapons. On September 12th, China formally brought a case against Japan to the League of Nations, but the League offered nothing tangible. This was itself the death knell of the League of Nations, which was largely ignored after 1937. More importantly, France and Britain were much more interested in European affairs. Germany, once friendly with Chang, was busy preparing for a renewed war in Europe and had recently been friendly with Japan. However, in America, President Franklin Roosevelt openly sympathized with China. On October 5th, in Chicago, he declared, It would seem to be unfortunately true that the epidemic of world lawlessness is spreading. When an epidemic of physical disease starts to spread, the community approves and enjoins in a quarantine of the patients in order to protect the community against the spread of the disease. The fight around Lao Dan earned the town the nickname the Grinding Mill of Flesh and Blood. The Japanese made attacks using combined armed tactics. 
the Chinese relied on night attacks to limit Japanese gains and gave up using forward defenses, which were vulnerable to artillery barrage. Regardless, by the end of September, Chinese losses exceeded 150,000 men, and it was clear that they were losing the battle. On October 1st, Konoe decided to launch a massive counterattack and sent more troops to Matsui. The plan was for the Japanese to cross the Yanzaobang River and take to Chang. Chang decided that he had to hold the town and brought in every soldier he could spare. Chinese defenses were strong and the weather was bad. The Japanese only made slow gains. Chang, though, was inflexible in his tactics and he tried to hold every inch of ground, even when advised by Chun Ge to fall back. On October 21st, Chang launched a counteroffensive that failed. Chang began a withdrawal, and on October 25th, De Chang fell. The losses at De Chang were horrendous for both sides, and reporters compared it to World War I battles such as Verdun and the Somme. With the fall of De Chang, downtown Shanghai had to be evacuated. Chang, though, wanted it done slowly. A nine-power treaty conference was set to occur in Brussels to discuss possibly entering the war, and Chang hoped his slow withdrawal from Shanghai would impress them. Much of Shanghai was burned as the Chinese left. One rear guard at the Four Banks warehouse held out for days after being surrounded, which impressed the foreign press. Chang chose Sozhu Creek for an area to defend to the last. Many of Chang's generals instead wanted him to withdraw his forces to defend the capital of Nanjing, but he refused. On November 5th, the Japanese landed at Jinshan Wei to the south. Chang had to retreat again, giving the order on November 8th. It was hoped to make a stand outside Shanghai at the Wufu Line, but ammunition was low. In addition, Chinese morale, which had been high for much of the battle, completely collapsed. Coordination dissolved, and many units lost contact with each other. There were fears of a mutiny or even a coup against Chang. By November 11th, Shanghai was in Japanese hands. Just outside Shanghai, the Wufu Line was penetrated on November 19th, followed by the Zai Chang Line on November 26th. On December 2nd, Matsui was replaced with Prince Yasuhiko Asaka, an uncle of Emperor Hirohito. Matsui remained in operational control, but his freedom of action was more limited. Matsui wanted to take Nanjing against the wishes of the Army High Command, he hoped to avoid further atrocities, but Asaka gave his men more leeway and was himself an ardent nationalist. Matsui was allowed to advance on Nanjing. Japanese troops marched hard and atrocities mounted despite Matsui's orders. When the capital fell, the Japanese murdered thousands of civilians in what became known as the Rape of Nanking. Two soldiers eventually competed in a decapitation contest that was covered in some Japanese newspapers. The capture of Shanghai and Nanjing, far from breaking Chinese resolve, only convinced the Chinese that Japanese occupation would be too brutal to bear. Matsui's strategy, despite his battlefield victories, had backfired. Atrocities in Nanjing turned international opinion against Japan. Matters became worse when on December 12th, Japanese aircraft sank the gunboat USS Panay near Shanghai. The Japanese were quick to apologize and pay indemnities to the families of the dead, but relations with America were now hostile. Furthermore, 
Japan had recovered some international respectability after taking Manchuria. In July 1936, Tokyo had won its bid to host the Olympic Games in 1940, making the country the first non-Western country to host the Games. By 1938, international pressure was on Japan to give up hosting, and America hinted at a boycott. Shanghai was the biggest urban battle up to that time, and not surpassed until Stalingrad. Japanese casualties were somewhere from 60,000 to 100,000, which was more than expected, and included several of Japan's elite divisions. Japanese aircraft losses in particular were higher than expected. Shanghai also remained unsafe. During a Japanese victory parade, a man leapt from a building to his death yelling, Long live China! In 1938, partisan rebellions forced Japan to keep a large garrison at Shanghai. The city was a major drain on Japanese military resources. While the city itself had been so thoroughly destroyed, it offered few immediate economic benefits. In the end, the war with China was a major drain on the Japanese war effort. Roughly 250,000 to 300,000 Chinese were lost in the battle. The army Chang had cultivated for years was in ruins. Of the roughly 25,000 junior officers trained at the Wampao Military Academy between 1929 and 1937, 10,000 were lost at Shanghai. China's small air and tank forces were also destroyed. The Navy, which was based in Shanghai, lost all of its cruisers to Japanese airstrikes. Most were refloated and served in the Imperial Japanese Navy. After 1937, Chang had to increasingly rely on warlords of dubious loyalty and competence to continue the fight. This meant the Chinese army was more of a loose collection of different armies than a true modern and centralized military. In addition, the war took pressure off the communists, who grew in power and prestige after 1937. By 1949, they controlled mainland China, while Chang had to flee to Taiwan. Shanghai, though, had some tangible benefits for the Chinese. Chiang may have lost China's economic center, but the battle bought enough time for the Chinese government to move some of its vital industries to Wuhan, Zhen, and Chongqing. The battle did not elicit any direct international intervention. Yet the fighting aroused America's sympathy, itself fanned by journalists, particularly Henry Luce, who placed Chiang on the cover of Time magazine on numerous occasions. Beyond shifting America's stance on Japan from neutral to hostile, the fighting did much to diminish anti-Chinese racism in America after generations of legal and cultural persecution. In the Soviet Union, Chang was favored over the communists and lavished with advisors and weapons. Eventually, both America and the Soviet Union fought Japan in World War II, a path that began at Shanghai. Better relations with America and the Soviet Union were matched with the end of support from Germany. In 1938, Hitler decided to favor Japan, and Chang's advisors were recalled and armed shipments ended. For Chang's advisors, the return to Germany was a mixed blessing. Oddest of all was Robert Borchard, Chang's tank expert. He was of Jewish descent, and it seemed his career was over. He remained in the army, winning the Knight's Cross before being captured at El Alamein. When asked why he fought for the Nazis, Borchard said, I served to prove that Hitler's race nonsense was all wrong. I wanted to prove that people of Jewish ancestry were brave and courageous soldiers. Falkenhausen had an equally complicated fate. He was made military governor of Belgium in 1940. He opposed harsh Nazi policies and saved hundreds of Jews, but still had to sign off on deportations. He was involved in the plot to kill Hitler 
and ended the war in a concentration camp. Afterwards, a vengeful Belgium jailed him, but he was released in 1951 and pardoned by West Germany. Shanghai International Settlement was occupied on December 8, 1940, shortly after Pearl Harbor was bombed. The American and French garrisons swiftly surrendered, and the British only put up token resistance. The same Europeans who had watched Shanghai burn were themselves placed in the nearby Longhua Civil Assembly Center, which was a work camp. They remained there until the end of the war in August 1945. The Shanghai International Settlement was dissolved by the Allies, who returned the land to China. Matsui won no laurels for his victories. Relieved of command after Nanjing fell, he was later tried for war crimes, while Asaka, a member of the royal family, was never charged. Found guilty on only one count out of 38, he was held responsible for the Nanjing massacre. After yelling, Banzai, three times, he was hanged and cremated in 1948. The American army took away his ashes, but a few were hidden away and moved to the imperial shrine of Yasukuni in a secret ceremony. His execution is among the most debated of any war criminal. The bitter fruit of Shanghai can be seen in East Asian politics today. Chang Stan decreased his power and was a prologue to his flight to Taiwan. Today, Taiwan and China are a major international fault line, and both militaries are trained with a future war in mind. Furthermore, Japanese atrocities and aggression made relations between Japan and China fraught. Whatever Matsui's guilt, his enshrinement and that of other war criminals is seen as an insult to China. Meanwhile, Japan, Asia's leading democratic power, is reluctant to find common cause with a communist regime that has murdered millions since 1949. 